Welcome back to another episode of Drop the Mitts Hockey Podcast brought to you in partnership with Primetime Productions. We are joined by the one and only from Only Bruins, Brett Howard. Brett, how you doing, buddy? Not bad, dude. Not bad. Thank you for having me on. I'm excited to talk puck and we got World Juniors coming up, some prospect talk. So I, I'm I'm pumped to come on here and I'm glad uh, you reached out and asked me if I was available because it's been a long time coming. Yeah, dude, I feel like it's we've been talking about this like literally since we started that we were going to get together and do something. Um, yeah. But yeah, man, like I'm still trying to get over fucking last night's loss to, you know, the bees loss. I mean, man, what a fucking heartbreaker. Like, you know, what a and obviously, game, though, eh? oh, man, it was unbelievable game, unbelievable back and forth. And I think the the best part about the whole thing was the Allmark flurry battle. I mean, Jesus oh, Christ, yeah. man unbelievable you know and it was kind of funny i think it was brandon duhame that talked about it. he was like man for flurry to keep to still be doing this at 50 years old it was kind of funny and uh yeah but man he yeah. fucking he stood on his head but you know what what stood out to you most about that game last night like good things bad things um obviously yeah. there was some <laughs> brutal play at the end i mean that you know a lot of yeah. fans were up in arms about um, the things that stood out to me the most, like, like you mentioned, like goalie battle, love a good goalie battle. That was so much fun to watch, dude. Like just watching, uh, uh like obvious shoe in hall of famer go, go against the previous Vesna winner and just save or save shot for shot. That was unreal to watch. And then, um, well, like things that like kind of surprised me is like, I'll, I'll rattle off a couple of them here. The Bruins have the eighth best power play in the league. Didn't I? I had no idea that was the. You couldn't convince me that they had that eighth best power play in the league. It just it definitely doesn't, doesn't like seem like it, man. No, no, yeah. not at all. And then the goal differential for the Bruins is like plus fourteen in the first period, plus five in the second period, zero in the third period, and then like negative six in overtime. I was like, that is just such an odd thing for the Bruins. Like, the staple of the Bruins has always been, like, a, a card-nosed team to play in the third period, a comeback uh, team yeah. in the third period. And this year's just the complete opposite. Like, they're getting out to hot starts. Um, and this is my biggest problem with the Bruins this year. Like, they can't close out games. That's my biggest yeah. thing with them right now. <clears throat> yeah, dude. Like, I mean, obviously, I think that's when you're – if you're actually watching these games, yeah, 100%. They can't fucking close it out and – Mm-hmm. Um, another thing I want to talk about, man, is, is the play of Jake DeBrusque lately. You know, obviously oh, he's catching, he's catching a lot of heat, man, and probably justifiably so. Um, what, what do you think? I mean, obviously, man, I, I think it's easy for people just to not, not, I'm not saying they don't understand hockey, but for them to just say, fucking trade him, trade him, mm-hmm. just trade him, yeah. let him go. It ain't that fucking easy. What, no, what do you and, think? Yeah. What do you sorry, think? Sorry. Sorry. Well, this is where I might go on a little bit of a rant here, so I'm going to take a sip. Oh, <laughs> This is my thing. He's playing a great defensive yeah, game. So he's not po- like putting the not puck like in the net. He's not getting great A chances. And, you, you know, puck luck is a thing in the NHL. And, like, I get that, you know, it doesn't always go your way. That's the hardest league in the world to play in. But this whole, like, 
let's bring in Lindholm. He's going to be your Lord and Savior. Like, and I'm not, and I'm not diminishing that play DeBrus made at the end of the game. It was horrible to watch. And to be honest, I, I think it does. Like, I made up a mock, yeah, exactly. a lineup today that everyone, I knew everyone was going to lose their shit at. That's why I posted it because it, it had lately sell in there. And there is a roster freeze, and I already knew that. Putting the post out, I just was being a shithead because yep. you know me. So that's yeah. my MO on Twitter. I like to stir the pot a little bit. But this whole, like, trade DeBrusque in your first, which won't get you Lindholm, surprisingly, even though they're playing at, like, the same type of pace right now. Actually, he's playing more at a JVR pace, Lindholm is. But this whole trade DeBrusque in a first for Lindholm doesn't solve your problem. Now you have too many centers. Like, that's how my opinion on it. Like, I'm sick of this Zach as a left winger. When this season has he played left wing? And when, like, and this is my thing. He's played so good at center this year. Why would you put him back on the wing where he didn't produce as good last year? It makes no sense to me. And everyone's like, oh, you bring in Lindholm. That line will be nasty. Zach and Lindholm, Pasternak. You don't know that. You have no idea that. And, and you also then have two playmakers on that line. Yeah, Zach has been shooting the puck a little more as of late, but... Lindholm is a career 20-goal scorer. He scored 40 goals one season on the best fucking line in hockey, and all of a sudden he's supposed to come to the Bruins and be the savior? I understand the Bruins have been linked to him. I understand he's Bergeron light. Those things don't go... But you could you could put a very good um, argument in that DeBrusque is Bergeron light this year defensively. He's been unbelievable defensively and that's the thing so you're gonna throw him in a trade and get rid of him just because you don't like him like that that doesn't make sense to me like if you're trading to brusque it better be a good hockey trade coming back and it better not be to brusque lysel and a first for lindholm i'll tell you fucking that for free because then what you're gonna pay lindholm nine to ten million next year which he's trying to command from calgary None of it makes sense to me. I think the Bruins should go bargain shopping. And if you want Lindholm, hope to God that he gets to free agency. But I don't know, man. I just I don't think it's the move this year, especially like the Bruins have um, depth scoring issues, not top line center issues. And I'm so sick of the narrative that Zaka isn't a one C. Okay, he might not be a one C on fucking L. A. or um. Vegas or like you know what I mean but he him and Pasternak have such good chemistry and it's working why would you put him on the wing and throw another sentiment in there like I just I don't understand it from that standpoint and um analytically Zach has been better than Lindholm this year on the score sheet Zach has been better than Lindholm this year you saw last night it looked like he was shot out of a freaking cannon dude so I I think you let Zach cook in this position like you've probably heard me before. I'm on the the Eberly train. That's a depth scoring yeah. guy you go get that's gonna that's gonna be cheap at the deadline. Um I'm on the swap forward and Middleton train. Like those are the types of trades I'm trying to make this, you know, like low calculated, uh low risk, high reward trades. That that yeah, not low calculated, high calculated, <clears throat> low risk, high reward trades. Yeah, I dude, I completely agree. It's like what what's kind of crazy to me is that everyone we, we've gotten in this habit. I think it's really been since, you know, Sweeney's always had phenomenal deadlines, right? Where he's brought in these mm-hmm. guys that have made instant impacts. I mean, obviously last Please year. Was, yeah. Bertuzzi, Orlov, you know, Halsey, like 
I think real quick to interject, people don't realize you got Orloff for just a first last year when you really break that trade down. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what's crazy to me is like, again, everyone's so fast to jump the gun on immediately trade DeBrusque, right? Trade DeBrusque for Lindholm. Well, there's a couple different things on why that won't work and why it shouldn't work. For one, we have a couple kids that are down in Providence that should absolutely be getting a shot and a look, right? What what are we doing here? Like, so mm-hmm. are we just going to keep in? Merkulov scored tonight. He did. He did. And again, Lysel's playing well. He's got a couple areas in his game that he definitely Plays. has to. But he, his but again, defensive he's game's looking a lot better. It ha- It's significantly improved. And mm-hmm. again, for people just to be like, well, tr- DeBrusque to Calgary. What makes you think fucking Calgary is going to want DeBrusque? Exactly. His trade, va- his trade value has absolutely plummeted. Not to mention he's a, a, a free agent at the end of the year who, again, he thinks he's worth more than he probably is at this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not paying him anything more than four and a half. And even that oh, seems kind of high. I, I, I even, said mat, match it up with Zaka's contract three times four. At the most, I'd even try which, three times three, which I for, think is for, fair. I sorry think for Debrusk, but yeah. But again, I just think in 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 Jake's, and I'm not trying to like put words in his mouth, but I think he's he thinks he's worth more than he mm. actually is. I I don't know if you agree with that, but like again, he's, he's never going to be playing with a Bergeron again, and I think no. that played a huge factor in his success. Again, yeah, at the end of the day, he still put the puck in the net. But I think mm-hmm. him playing with two future Hall of Famers played a huge role in his success. And it and it looked uh, not odd at times, but it, it, it was proven at times he drove that line with Bergeron and Marshawn, which is wild. But you get a jolt playing with two future Hall of Famers. You know what I mean? Like that shit right. just happens, happens all around the league. I think there's a couple scenarios that work out here with DeBrusque. He stays and signs a uh, another low a lower deal, or he signs a longer deal for a lower cap hit. That's the Bruins option, I think, at this point. Or you walk from him, clearly. But if right. you do walk from him, like you said, I don't see a lot of teams ponying up and give. He, it's the it's the Bertuzzi thing. Well, is it real? Is he this guy? Is he the streaky DeBrusque? Is he the thirty goal DeBrusque? Like. He was on pace for 35 goals last year before his injury, right? Or something something crazy like that. And then even came yeah. back and still played really good. I think you see, if they do walk from him, I think you see him go to an Arizona for $4 million for one year. Or you go, you know, a, a San Jose somewhere where it's nice. He'll get to play a lot of minutes on the first line. Or he signs a really low ticket and goes and plays with McDavid for the year and does what Bertuzzi did, right? Yeah. So it dude, goes home. So that- that was my exact thought was now is this because obviously we've, we've known he's had, you know, not issues, but again, I think he's always kind of made it known that he he would like to play closer to home, like be closer mm-hmm. to home. And I think that's something that makes a ton of sense, right? Go play with Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl for a year. Light yep. it up. And, and oh, who knows? Yeah, you're, play, you're, you're playing sh- like, just think about that top, think about a top line of DeBrusque, Hyman, and McDavid, it's the fastest line in hockey right there. But yeah. one thing yeah. I was gonna say, this is where you're at with DeBrusque. People are like trade DeBrusque. This is where you're at. 
you're trading him for Kuzmenko, who's been healthy scratched the past like four games. You know what I mean? Similar cap hit. You get uh, the Canucks to eat 500k. So then you're bringing in a guy who doesn't play defense and scores goals. Like you know what I mean? Like there's no you're winning. Kinda, you're kind of doing the same shit at that point. Yeah. Like what? What is the point of that? You might as well keep DeBrusque, who's been in the system, been around the guys. I mean, at at that Penalty point, kills. it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. And so, yeah, again, like, and, and if we're talking asset wise, like, if we're trying to collect assets, what are you getting? A mid round pick? Like, I don't you're, see you get teams, a third for the cap space. That's literally what you get. Which that's not worth it to me at that point. No, no, because right? because this is my thing. Like, if Sweeney can masterclass this and convince DeBrus to take a two or three year deal for low cap hit. Next thing you know, DeBrus scoring 30 goals again. And you're like, this is this is my thing with DeBrus. Like, would you be shocked if he signed even a one-year extension and he starts lighting it up and puts up seven goals in four games? No, you know what I mean? I would like, I wouldn't, but what's the issue? Like, what do you think the issue is? Do you think it's the line mates? Like, obviously last night at the security. end of the game, that was an effort thing. A hundred percent. Yeah, that I I don't know. That's you know what it is. As pl- somebody who played hockey, you're gripping the stick too tight. You're making dumb yeah. decisions that you don't normally make. That's what that shot was to me. Like all the fucking warriors online on Twitter, like fucking idiot, blah blah blah, should be fucking traded for that. A, a bench, a, a ninth floor visit, sure. Don't care. Yeah. You're going on the road. Uh, maybe don't. I guess Brown's gonna have to play on the fourth line and. You could bring Steiner or Lauko up. Like to be honest, I wouldn't mind seeing a game with of Lauko, Zaka, and Pasternak. Just one game, you know, see yeah. if it works. You know, Monty's gonna flip the lines anyways. Who's the fuck's it gonna hurt, right? You're going into Winnipeg. You're on the road. Shake things up a little, but I do think I don't think he's. I I I personally don't think he's gonna get a scratch for this. But I I don't know, man. Like it's it's. It's not a. It wasn't a confidence thing. Maybe it is now. Monty has all the confidence in the world in him. He always praises him. Like he's doing the right things on the other side of the puck. He literally just isn't finding those grade A chances that he was getting last year that Bergeron and Marchand were making room for him for. Like, the, yeah. and that's the thing too. Like, uh, m- maybe next game after that you go the other way and you throw him with Zaka and Pasternak and you go, all right, go kid, play on the top yeah. line tonight. Get some room. Make some room from halftime. You're not putting the puck in the net. Get assists. Change your game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that. that the, the, yeah. These are the options you're looking at right now. Not trade him. Like if you're trading him to get caps, this is the thing too. This is what people don't get. I made a mock trade of um, just to stir the pot a little bit online. I made a mock trade of DeBrusque, Grizzlick. Um, it's probably going to have to be a first. And Merkulov for Hannafin and Lindholm. If you're going to go crazy, go all out like that. Go crazy and have one of them come with an extension. You know what I mean? Like, right. that's how you're shipping out DeBrusque. You know? And like you said, Calgary, like, Grizzly and DeBrusque have no trade value. Why would Calgary do that? They can't flip them at the deadline. And if they do, right. it's to allocate maybe another third and a fourth. Yeah. I, I think that's what. That's like Bruins fans kind of get away from is like kind of looking at it strictly from that Bruins lens, right? Like mm-hmm. at times like this, you kind of have to like broaden your horizons and kind of look at it from the perspective of Calgary. Like, why is Calgary making that trade? 
what mm-hmm. what is in it for them at that point there is nothing in that deal that's going to benefit them nothing oh and no, again like there's no reason to do it and yeah i agree with you man like a ninth floor visit is probably warranted is monty going to do it probably not because i don't think they have mm-hmm. that luxury well, the right now roster freeze like it, it... If you're putting Brown in, it doesn't help. You'd rather DeBrusque. As, as much as everyone hates yes. DeBrusque, you'd rather DeBrusque over Brown in the lineup. Let's be you ask, Yeah, you ask any any Bruins fan. I mean, you're taking DeBrusque any day over Patrick Brown being, you know, in the lineup and then DeBrusque on the ninth floor. Like it just, And if you're not, point, you're not watching games this year. Right. Yeah, dude. Like, like I mean, they were they were playing fucking Brown at defense at times in practice. So it's like, dude, like, no way. But he, uh, he must be a really good locker room guy. That's the only thing I can think of with Patrick Brown, why they keep him around. I mean, he's a he's a good veteran guy. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Like, he was painful to watch. I mean, we, we said it during development camp, man, when people were starting to make their, like, mock lines and they, like, automatically penciled Patrick Brown in with no Patra, no, like, I was like – are we like not even just going to give these kids a look? Are we just going to automatically assume this dude's in the lineup? And then sure as shit, man, like he's not in the lineup. Dude, so how, how funny is that? Me and you at the prospect challenge, we were like, man, Potra looks good. Like he could really push for a spot. And like, we were talking out our ass. We're like, but there's no way, right? Like Geeky's got that third line center locked up. And then you've got Zach and Coyle who they've said like are going to be pushing because Bergeron crazy Lee. and all like I remember yeah. talking to Boosie on the podcast about it. I'm like, man, me and Davis think that like this Pacha kid, like he'll be on the lineup next year for sure, but he'll be pushing, you know, really hard for a spot and look at yeah. him like look at him now, right? Dude, that that one game, man, that we, you know, that you ended up coming down for, mm. like again, every shift he was out there. Not only was he just was making plays all over the ice, like especially we noticed in the defensive zone. And yeah, yeah, dude, like I automatically and I said it like I'm not one of those guys to be like, I fucking told you so. But like, again, I I was like in my mind, I was talking to my old man about it. I'm like, there's no way they can send this kid back to juniors. Like there's nothing that juniors can do for this kid that's going to help him improve his game and take him to the next level. Like and that is that that becomes another issue of. They need to start letting 19-year-olds play in the AHL, but that's a whole other conversation yeah. to have. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and again, kind of going back to our conversation about all the, you know, people trying to bring, you know, have these huge trades occur. Like, we still have kids in Providence that are cooking right now that mm-hmm. I think, I think if you, when given the right and correct opportunity and put in the right position that I, like, I think Lysel, man, I think he should get a shot this year. Like, I, I think yeah. he's deserved it. Um, and again, him and Merkulov both, sorry. No, I agree, dude. A hundred percent. Yeah. Those two deserve an out of boy. Yeah. And, and another guy, John Farinacci too. Like I I love his game, man. Like obviously we said that at the challenge. Yeah. He, you know, playing really well. And I I love his defensive game. Like, you know, he's a sure two way, you know, two way center that I just love the way he's playing. Yeah. I think he would fit perfectly in that lineup, but obviously with, like the emergence of Johnny Beecher, you know, Steen's playing really well. Lauko's mm-hmm. doing what he does, fucking firing up the crowd. Yeah. Like, Dude, man, he fucking dummy. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, how much, how much balls do you have to have, dude? You absolutely dummy someone, right? And then literally oh. immediately after, I go, 
can you imagine if he would have pulled that off? Like, oh my god, absolutely ridiculous, dude. And Insane. you can see, like, they zeroed in on him, dude, and he's like staring up at the jumbotron. He's like, what yeah. the fuck, dude? Like, if 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 Flurry's stick wasn't there, it was going in. Flurry so accidentally saved that. Yeah, he did. He did, and like again, man, that would have been absolutely fucking electric. And like you said too, that's the perfect time to pull that. Like anybody who's ever done a Michigan knows, or like picked the puck up on the ice, you need clean, fresh tape. Oh, yeah. And he yep. is sitting right, and the way yeah. he picked that thing up behind the net, like I was oh. like, oh yeah, like his his stick's fucking ready to go there. <laughs> I was like, I was like, he's got silky mitts. I was like, I would have never yeah. known. He just he made it look so fucking easy and. Man, Dude, I really wish that World would've... Juniors he played in, he was great. That's why the Bruins drafted him. Like, and we got him in the third round. He always was a skilled player before his injuries, and he adapted and found ways to get in this lineup. That, that's why I've always been a Lauco guy. Uh, I like guys that fight like that. You know, they they do what they can to get in the roster, and that's why I said like, if he's got jump like that, and you you do really want to sit DeBrusque, throw throw Lauco up on the top line and just mix and match the lines throughout the game, but give him some shifts with Zaka and Pasternak. See what he can do with that check connection. Yeah, I agree, dude, hundred percent. But kind of, you know, kind of transitioning a little bit, talking World Juniors because I think that's what we, you know, you and I are most excited for, man. <laughs> <laughs> so fired Can't up, man. US, baby. How, uh, you know, obviously we learned last week that, you know, Matthew Potra was going to be joining the world, uh, Canada. Um, what, what were your thoughts, man, when you first heard that news? Were you excited? You know, did you agree with the move? Um, what were your mm -hmm. thoughts on it? So kind of a funny story. I haven't even told this on Only Bruins yet because we haven't recorded, but I got word in the morning that he was going to the World Juniors. As somebody messaged me and they're like, get ready for tomorrow. They said tomorrow they're going to announce that Pacho's coming, going to the World Juniors. I was like, dope. So I made that, I started working on that jersey swap and I made that tweet. I was like, the entire, because so many people, it's funny how fast it flipped. So many people were like, don't send him, don't send him, he's going to get hurt, blah, blah, blah. The second he gets sent, everyone's like, go serve your country, I'm going to be watched, and I got to get a Potra jersey. Like, your yeah. Bruins fans are, that's the, it goes the same as how we fight over 13th forwards, but that's a whole other conversation. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm super excited for him. We, as Canadians, we grow up watching this tournament since we're knee high. I uh, couldn't be, you know... The way he talked about it, he's coming back to the Bruins after, so that the, the, that was my worry that maybe they were going to send him to juniors after, but, but no, they're going to bring him back. And, and it just sounds like like him talking to Sweeney, the, the, the whole thing was, you're never going to get this opportunity again. Last year was a stacked Canada roster. There was no way he was making it, even though he was playing as well he, as he was as an 18-year-old. And it just, you know, it, it goes to a testament of, his Bruins organization having the trust in him, wanting him to have, you know, uh, uh, further his development, you know, giving him a little break. Yeah, yeah, the time difference is you're probably when he comes back to the Bruins, he's going to have a couple rough games, especially with that time difference coming back. Like he talked about that first practice. He was up for like 27 hours. He just wanted to get a practice in and meet with the fellas, uh, him and Bauer gear. Love that. Love Bauer yeah, gear. I hate yeah, CCM stuff. Yeah, you about that. Yeah, it, was <laughs> <sick>. <laughs> it looks so sick. But, yeah. you know, I'm so happy for him. Um, You know, it just it, – it's, it's you know, Bergeron went. I know his lockout year a little different. Bergeron went, same type of thing. He was a little older, played with that Crosby team, won a gold medal. 
all of a sudden this Canada team went from, eh, they're all right, to holy shit, you got an NHLer on your top line. Yeah. Yeah, dude. So, do, like, how much of an impact? I mean, that was my next question is, like, how much of an impact is adding Patra, like, make to this roster? Because, again, I, I said it a few weeks back when the when the roster came out. It was a little bit underwhelming. Um, just in comparison to last year, like how fucking loaded that roster was, like, especially on the defensive front. I mean, you lose, you know, Korchinski, you lose Brant Clark, um, Mm -hmm. you lose Olin Zellweger, like, you know, all phenomenal defensemen that are playing, you know, NHL right minutes right now. Um, Mm -hmm. like how much of an impact is just the ones, you know, Patra may like making in, uh, you know, Canada making a serious run at the gold. Well, it, just think about his playmaking and vision in the NHL and, you know, the, the plays he gets snubbed on because, you know, he's still learning the game. And, you know, as a 19-year-old, it is tough to – like, he's talked about it before. Maybe I should make a couple plays and I should dump the puck in. Now you're going to get to see Potter on full. Anybody who didn't watch him in the OHL, now you're going to get to see the full Potsy. <laughs> because <laughs> – excuse me. Because he's like, it is a tournament for development and it is a tournament for younger players, but he's been playing at such a high level. He's a half a point per game in the NHL and he's going to go down and play with some of these guys. Like, and that's nothing against these kids. Like there's some kids in this tournament that should be playing in the NHL that just don't have roster spots of the team that they're affiliated with. Right. Like, you know, a couple, like uh, what's his face? Easton Cowan had a great, fucking camp yeah. for uh fraser mitten like you know what I mean? these are the types of players i'm going to be looking for to really make uh an impact and like thinking about celebrini and patra on the I was same just about line to ask that, holy like, shit yeah, dude like, like dude. let's go so i i think ultimately like i think we have to assume right that's going to be the top line going in who's who's mm-hmm. another guy that you could you know, foresee possibly playing with them. You you got to assume that that left wing spot is open with Potra, uh-huh. at, you know, at the uh, center position and then Celebrini probably playing the right wing. Um, a guy yes. that came to mind for me was Matthew Wood. Um, yeah. You know, playing that left wing. He's a big, big boy, you know, playing at UConn right now. Um, mm-hmm. He's a guy that I think could possibly slide in on that line and make some noise. But who's a guy that you uh, that you could see? I'm curious if Owen Beck gets a chance with them, just because he's so good defensively. Uh, yeah. Like, both sides of the puck, he's a great 200-foot player. And you know that Potsy and Celebrini are just going to be going off, trying to make every play possible, right? So yeah. it's like that that like a player like that, Wood's a good one. Man, he's a little smaller, and it makes the line a lot smaller. But Easton Cowan, man, like this kid's good Dude. on both sides of the puck. I watch him in London a lot. He's actually from around the area in Mount Bridges, so I've I've known of him for a long time now. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be. I think it could be a revolving door for the first couple games, especially yep. with the teams that Canada's matched up with in that um, in that uh, grouping. So I don't know. It'll either way, dude. Like it's it's gonna be so electric. Like even Potsy was saying, like he doesn't know most of the guy and the guys on the team, but he was just excited to get in there and you know meet everyone and see see what like what they can do as a country. And that's the thing that people that are still mad at this situation, you get a chance to play for your country. Like it sounded like Potra asked. Sweeney not asked him if he could go but once it got brought up he was like I would like to go if I if it's an opportunity right and 
the, them reassuring that there's a roster spot when hit for him when he gets back, it's a no-brainer in my mind. And I even said it weeks ago on Only Bruins. I was like, man, would you, I asked Boosie, I was like, would you be shocked if he went to the World Juniors? And he was like, I don't want him going. And I don't know, there's something in the back of my head. Like, as a Canadian, like Sweeney being a Canadian, Neely being a Canadian, they know how much this tournament means to Canadians. Like, it just kind of seems like a no-brainer when you step back and look at it after the decision's been made. Yeah, and, and that's why I was excited kind of, you know, to to have you on because it's definitely interest, interesting to get that perspective, right, from a Canadian because I think it's a little bit different, you know, from the American point of view. Like, obviously, it's a big tournament for us, but, you know. Mm. It's gotten it's no, bigger. It's gotten bigger, but I don't – it's nowhere near what it is for Canadians mm. and kids that grow up in Canada, right, representing their country. And, like, again, I was – I looked at like, you know, down the road, what this would have meant, right? If they kind of were like, no, you're not fucking going. Like you're going to stay mm-hmm. here and you're going to play third line and you're going to, you know, again. And there was one news conference. I don't know if it was after a game or what game it was after, but Potra kind of made it known right to the media that he was like, yeah, this is something I've been wanting to do. Like this is, you know, this summer, like I wanted to come out in development camp have a good camp, make this team, and then go to World Juniors. Like, he had mm-hmm. it in his mind. So, again, you mentioned it, man. It's kind of a no-brainer. Like, I think it's going to be a huge confidence boost for him. Um, he said he trained gonna... in the offseason for the World Juniors to make yeah. the roster. Yeah, yeah. and, and not, on, not only that, man, but I think we need to look at also the human aspect of this, right? Where, mm-hmm. again, he's a 19-year-old kid, man, away from home. Like, Gets to go to a... Sweden. Yeah, living in a brand like living in a brand new city, like he doesn't know any of these kids, like. But I think with him being with kind of his peers, it's going to be a little bit of a morale boost for him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think this is huge for for him. And you think about the Bruins roster. Frederick played in this tournament. Swayman played in this tournament. Um, uh, his roommate pa- John, John Beecher, Pasta, Saka, like you know, like. I don't know if Allmark played for Sweden. I'm not 100% sure, but you know what I mean? Like, like, <laughs> Lauko. Like, it, it just, the, there's a lot of ties to this tournament in the Bruins organization. Um, and it, I just think it's such a good opportunity. How, how could you let the kid pass it up? Yeah, exactly, dude. I, I couldn't agree more. Like, I think, I think you're going to see a different Patra come back. And, you know, once he gets inserted back in the lineup, I think you're just going to see he was playing well. I mean, I'm not saying that he wasn't playing well or he was struggling, but I think this morale boost, I think you're just going to see a different posture coming back. I'm excited about it. I'm excited to watch him. I mean, with all the teams, every country, I think he's got to be one of the top players to watch, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. I I don't know. Like, And that's the thing, too. Like, uh, one thing I do want to warn people of, like – People are the people are looking at the Lysel experiment last year and sending him, and it's like, man, Lysel played a lot of. He played in two World Juniors last year because of the way that everything worked out. Was it last yeah. year or the year before? But either way, it, he didn't put up the points he was, and it kind of goes into Sweden a bit. Like Sweden had this really young roster because they're hosting the tournament this year. A lot of teams that host the tournament the next year will do something like that because. You know, they, they want the same team going in and they, you know, they, they want to have the um, ability to use uh, certain players that are that are younger in the roster. And 
it, it didn't really help Lysel's game at all because it was like him and Leo Carlson just kind of felt like they were on this island of their own where, you know, th- there wasn't the level of play that, you know, Lysel was getting from the from Providence and he's seen in NHL camps. And now you got to take a step back while also trying to carry a team step forward. Like, this is going to be a little different from Pacha. Like, he's coming right out of the OHL, hasn't played as much hockey as Lysel did last year. He's He's got the encouragement and um, um, safety of his team, knowing that he'll be back in the NHL after. Like, this is literally an attaboy. We don't need you right now. We're in first place. We can survive without you. Geeky's a very serviceable third-line center, which we've seen over the past couple of games since he's come back from injury. It, it just, you know, it... It just is – I couldn't be happier for the kid, honestly. And that what I said to Boosie is, man, he would look so good in that Team Canada jersey, though. And, like, I'm such a weirdo for that type of stuff. Yeah. You know me. I'm a nerd for jerseys and all that yeah. type of stuff. So it, it, it that's – like, and I said about the gear and everything. It's just that's how much it means to us as Canadians. Like, I even care about them wearing Bauer gear. Like, it's such a yeah. weird thing. But it just, it, it just means so much to me as a Canadian, him being a Bruin. He really is following Bergeron's step. I'm not saying he's fucking Bergeron. Everyone yeah. gets so mad when you bring that up. But the trajectory yeah. of who he is, how he plays, it's very Bergeron-esque. There's some defensive things in his games that he needs to figure out. But, you know, it's it's it, it would have been, looking back, like I just said earlier, looking back on it now, it would have been crazy not to send him. Yeah, it would have been a bummer, man. Like, I would have you take the human aspect into things. I just would have been bummed out for him knowing that he wanted to go, but I, you know, they made the right decision. Sweeney made the right decision. Like it's really encouraging that, you know, he's taking what the players are wanting into consideration. Um, and him being 19, man, getting that encouragement from his GM, that's going to be huge for his, you know, his confidence and morale. Do you think he lights it up? I do. Yeah, I, I do. Too. I think, I, I think, think it's a man, man against a men amongst boys. Type yeah, situation. I think my prediction, I think, I mean, I don't think it's really a bold prediction. I think him and Celebrini absolutely light it up points wise. Yeah. Um, I don't think Bedard numbers, but definitely like Shane Wright numbers are li- yes. like last year. Yeah. I think the, the lines offensively are so, you know, like when Bedard was playing, man, it was so top heavy, right? Those lines were mm. very top heavy. Until he was your 13th forward. Yeah, like it's a little it's a little more spread out now um with this roster that they have, but I think again, I think the Shane Wright numbers um comp- you know, comparison wise, I think that's a mm-hmm. perfect comparison. Like I think yeah. he really is 15 light too. It up. Yeah, I, yeah 15. I saw that. I saw that. That was cool, dude. Like Yeah, yeah I, I I think Celebrini kind of solidifies himself as that number 1 pick. I mean, I I think he already mm-hmm. has at this point, but you know, there's still whispers. It's kind of similar to like the McDavid draft, where like I think everyone knows Celebrini's going to go one, but like Eichel's not far behind. Like I love Eiserman yeah. as a player, um, but again, he I didn't think make he's, the roster, right? He didn't. No, he's still with the oh. uh, national development program. Yeah, so it's but again, man, you man. yeah, you Sorry. look at this roster though. It's like it, it's super complicated because. Obviously, he's a really gifted goal scorer. Like, probably, I don't even know who I'd compare him to. But, like, again, little bit of a defensive liability. Mm-hmm. And I think if you have a guy like Cole Iserman who scores as much as he does, now you're putting him in a possibly a fourth-line role. 
I just don't see where that really makes sense, right? Especially mm-hmm. him, not that he's a full liability defensively, but he's not as strong as some of the other players on that roster. Well, the, the U, U.S.'s M.O. is always like, I, I could be wrong. Did Kuntar play for the World Juniors? Duran so, did. Duran, that's who Riley Duran, yep. And that that's very M.O. of the U.S. to take a legit fourth line. Like Beecher played on the fourth or third line yep. when he was on, right? Like, you know, it's very – and that's where Canada's a little different where they'll take goal scorers and, like – Oh, yeah. They, they'll put them on the fourth <laughs> line. So, like I said, Fantilli was the 13th forward last year. But real quick, before we fully get into the U.S. roster, I, I do think, like you said, uh, these Canada games are going to be very high scoring. Lots of overs are going to hit. You know what I mean? A lot of 5-4 games, 6-4 games. Like, you're going to see just no defense out there at all. Yeah, and kind of, you know, like I said, before we get into the U.S. um, side of things, I want to mention that um, you put a tweet out today uh, mentioning the um, Canada versus Latvia game. It's going to be Matt Patra versus uh, Dan's Lock Mellis. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's going to be an all, you know, especially for Bruins fans, both being Bruins prospects. I think they're there are only two prospects, right? Yeah. In the yeah. in this tournament, yeah. So I think yeah. we're going to be doing a we're going to be doing a live stream for that. So look, yeah. you know, keep it's an nice because it's a one thirty game. The day yes. I, I know you guys don't celebrate. It's not a celebration, but like we have Boxing Day up here the day after. Yep. Uh, that's the day, the start of the tournament. And the 27th is, you know, what do people do on the 27th? They kind of just wind down. So anybody who's just winding down, having a couple wobbly pops, you know, uh, at noon, come over to me and Chris, cause we'll be hosting that yep. and it's going to probably turn into a shit show and it's going to be a lot <laughs> of fucking fun. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait, man. I, I honestly, like I'm so fired up that, you know, cause I've always, this is like our first year kind of actually knowing each other, right? Like I think towards mm-hmm. the end of last year, we kind of met and um, to meet someone who loves the world juniors as much as I do, man, like I'm so fired yeah. up, especially for this game, but um, kind of transitioning into the U S roster. They announced today um, their captains. Um, they announced Michigan um, from Michigan, Rutger McGordy, mm-hmm. um, as well as, Hell you know, from the, Oh man, I I love his game. Um, yeah. we'll, we'll get into that. Um, Cutter Gautier from BC, another fucking stud. Um, Lane Hudson from Boston mm-hmm. University, and then I am missing. I believe it's Ryan Chesley um, from Minnesota. Let me check on that. I should have wrote it down, but I'm a fucking dumbass. Mm-hmm. Uh, but man, so what what are your thoughts on this roster? I mean, it's a little bit it's constructed a little bit differently um mm-hmm. than Canada's. Like who are some guys that uh you know really pop out to you and you're excited to see? Well, two guys that I actually saw live when I came down to Boston. I saw Boston College versus uh UMass Lowell. Will Smith and Gabe Perot. Perot, yep. Perot. Dude, Will Smith scored the nastiest backhand toe drag goal I've ever fucking seen in real life. Like, it was so filthy. And he's one guy I've really had my eye on. I'm excited to see. Uh, Rutger McGordy, he's sick. Ryan Leonard, he's an ox out there. Also plays for Boston College. And it's funny, maybe in Brad Howard, um, Isaac Howard. I wanted the Bruins to draft him um, he's in 22. Yeah. And he... Dude, he wore that turtleneck to the draft. Did you yeah, remember dude. that? Dude, he's such a beauty. Like, 
that that's the thing. There's a lot of kids on this team that are just absolute beauties. Like Lane Hudson, like you said, great player. Um, what's his name? This Eric Paul Camp, the defenseman. Uh, yeah, hold on. I'm plays at Ben Benji State University. He's a he's a Canadian Bemidji. college. Bemidji, okay. Um, yeah, that this kid, I like his game as a defenseman. Um, yeah, Lane Hudson. Who else? Oh, Trey Augustine, that goalie. I really like him. He's sick. This this roster is constructed like an NHL roster, if that makes sense. You mentioned it earlier, just the way that they – because they will bring a fourth line. Like, they're not going to load up on forwards. You mentioned it. Yeah, you didn't see Cole Eiserman on this roster. You didn't see – he's, you know, projected to be the number one pick in 2025, James Haggins. He's mm-hmm. not on this roster. They sent him back to the um, national development program. They they construct these lines very strategically, and I think this is. And you know, I'm a dumbass. And the other alter alternate captain that I missed was uh, Gavin Brinley from uh, Michigan. Oh yeah, don't know how I missed mm-hmm. him because he again another beauty, another stud. But three guys that you mentioned, um, all two guys. Sorry. All Michigan State guys. Michigan State man is kind of a wagon. Not gonna lie, like I was oh, at yeah. a Con- I was at Conti Forum um, where BC was playing Michigan State, and you mentioned Isaac Howard, Trey Augustine, and another guy that's draft eligible this year. I don't know if you heard anything about him, Artem uh, Leveshnov. He, oh yeah, a, I've heard his name. He's a projected top five pick man, and he's so silky, like nasty, fresh, true freshman. Um, he's projected a top five pick, and I, I wish he was – I don't know if he's playing in this – no, he's not because of Russia. Yeah. But, um, dude, like, again, just nasty. This whole roster is, is so exciting. Um, oh, yeah. A guy that kind of pops out to me that I'm hoping to kind of – not that he's been struggling, but is uh, Oliver Moore. Yes. Um, he was the ninth- trying to get him. Yeah, he was the 19th pick um, behind, obviously, Bedsy. Um, mm-hmm. The fact that they that he fell to 19, you mentioned it. Yeah, I was hoping the Bruins were going to jump up and at least try to grab him, but Chicago kind of swooped in, and um, they were able to grab him. He's a guy, man. He's he's scored a couple highlight reel goals this year. Um, yeah. I'm excited to see him. I don't know what, what role he's going to be playing um, or what line, you know. Um, a smaller U.S. team, though, this year. Yeah, I, I'm looking down the line, man. Like even forward wise, like yeah, Cutter Gauthier six three, like, but he's not really a physical type. I mean, he's just mm-hmm. a pure goal scorer. Yeah, Danny Nelson at six two, Jimmy Snuggerud, another guy. Brindley at five nine. Yeah, that's and, the one and, I'm looking at. You know, and you know what's crazy is even looking at their decor, man. They have a bunch of. I and I wanted to bring this up actually, my scatterbrain, dude. With the Canada <laughs> roster, a guy that I was really excited, I'm really excited to watch is uh, Denton Matejchuk. Oh yeah, um, and I think he's going to kind of play that role that like Brant Clark did. Um, you know, we mentioned Brant Clark, Olin Zellweger, um, and Kevin Korchinski. I think he's a guy that's really going to step up and be, uh, you know, solid offensive defenseman. Um, but yeah, looking at these this decor, man, it's very very small. Um, 
Seamus Casey at 5'10", Lane Hudson at 5'10", Zeev Beam, 6'2". He's he's draft eligible this year. Just a small, small defensive core. Yeah, like Rinzel's your biggest guy at 6'4", and he only weighs 176 pounds. You know what I mean? Like, it it just, it's, and then even Lane Hudson, 5'10", 162. Like, that's a smaller decor compared to the most in the past of, uh, um, like, that we've seen from the U.S., right? I'm excited to see their team speed in comparison to Canada's. Because it just mm-hmm. seems very similar, like how fast this team, especially adding Patra, dude. Like, it just seems both both teams. It's not going to be necessarily physical. It just mm-hmm. seems like it's going to be a very fast paced game back and forth. Well, um, I think this is where you see too. Like, they made a joke in Shorzy, the new season of Shorzy, like the World Juniors. It's pretty much basketball now, and like it's because the game's changing. You know, internationally, they don't. You can get tens for like some questionable hits that probably shouldn't be a five and a ten, right? And like you don't want to get kicked out of this tournament. So it's more skilled based. That's why you do see a lot of these players that do come now, like are more hockey IQ intelligent than uh bronze IQ intelligent. Yeah, yeah I agree, dude. Um I, I'm super excited to see because that I mean, although I love the the fights and hits, like obviously were fucking drop the mitts. We'll be some big like, hits too, right? Yeah, for you sure. But I mean? you know, I always <laughs> yeah. love seeing the speed and you know, just these kids' hockey IQs, man. Like we mentioned it, like at 19, Potra's IQ, dude, was like off the charts. I, I hadn't mm-hmm. seen anything like it live like that. Um no, and yeah. I was like, there's no way this kid isn't making the team. Like he's two and three steps ahead of everyone, you know, oh, of yeah. his own peers. Um, are there any guys on any other countries' teams that you're like excited to watch or um, that you kind of heard about and you know have expectations for? Well, like obviously Lock Mellis, just because like he's been doing so well um, at UMass, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. UMass Amherst. Doing, yep. Yeah, he's been doing so well at UMass. Um, his, I think he's another guy who's going to be eventually on the Bruins roster. It might take him a couple years to get you know, that Providence game down path, but he's really exciting and he's going to be on the top line of Latvia. Like Latvia only has like one other kid going, I think that plays in like North America or something like that. So that's going to be exciting to see him, especially him face off against Patra. Like we said earlier, that'll be fun. Um, there's a couple kids on Sweden and Finland. Like I said, like earlier, like Sweden's bringing back the same team essentially that they brought last year, minus Lysel and Carlson. And like, I'm so bad with names. I don't know the names of them. There's a couple studs on those teams that I'm sure you might know that play over here. But it's I, probably I just... the guy I'm thinking of in Finland. Um, yeah. So yeah, he's projected top ten pick. Um, yes. Team Finland, Consta uh, Hellenius. Mm-hmm. Um. Pro- again, it's projected. Stud. Yeah, one of the uh, mock drafts I just looked at, they had him projected going to fucking Buffalo, of course, right? It's like <laughs> Buffalo keeps fucking getting all these studs, man, like Benson last year, Maddie Savoy. It's like they're going to add this guy and still be fucking garbage. Were but you shocked they didn't send Benson real quick? I was. I was, man. I was, I've been tweeting about it literally for like three weeks. I'm like, listen, if, if uh, Buffalo decides, because why wouldn't you at the point that they're at, man, they're projected top 10 right now. I think they're yeah. sitting at like eighth 
project, you know, obviously with the lottery and everything, but standings wise, they're the eighth worst team right now. Like, mm -hmm. why wouldn't you send him? I don't know no, if it was a matter of he didn't want to go. I, I don't know. Yeah, and no like idea. they have they have players coming back from injury too, which is even weirder. Like he was in the like you know he's been playing because they've had tough injuries this year. But like I'm pretty sure Greenway and somebody else are like close to returning on that roster, and well, it Jack shocked Quinn, me. Jack Quinn just came back too. I want to say like that's who it was Monday, and so yeah. yeah, I was I was shocked because we talked about that first line man with. Patra and, and Celebrini. Can you imagine fucking throwing Benson on that line and the left wing? And, like, and that's the thing too. Like, you're just this kid's getting peppered every fucking night. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's having a not not he's playing bad. I just mean the team is on a whole. Yeah, you think you would like Boston's playing great and they're in the position, but it's like, is Buffalo think they're gonna get out of this all of a sudden? And he's the answer. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it really well, doesn't make sense to me. What doesn't make sense to me is Maddie Savoy's going. Yeah. So yeah. Like again, it, it was kind of crazy because at that you know, the prospect <laughs> challenge, he was another one, man. Like we I he was my first interview, I think, for Drop the Mitts mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I just was watching his tape, man. I'm like, this kid is he's just he's thick, sick. stocky, like great hands, and his shot is unbelievable. And then finally made the trip. And I watched him one game play with Maddie Savoy. And, like, again, they played, you know, uh, the Wenatchee Wild together. Um, you know, formerly Winnipeg Ice. Um, yep. And I was like, I man. I can't this... believe that logo yeah. was so sick. Sorry. I yeah. had to say that real yeah, quick. Yeah, no, it, it they, is. They got dude, rid of that. So it was one fire. of the – yeah, it's so sick. One of my but, favorites. Sorry, yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, in watching both of them, man, I'm like, they're both making the roster. It was very similar to Patra where I was like, it's a no brainer. Like these mm. two will help, you know, and Maddie Savoy didn't make the roster. Um, they sent him back to junior, but yeah, and he, they're sending him, but not Benson, which is kind of mind boggling to me. But um, yeah, again, to answer your question. Yeah. I'm, I'm really surprised that they're not sending oh, him. And I think it would have been good for him. I remembered the Sweden player. Funny enough, it's a great little uh, segue. Well, there's two of them, but the one that I was thinking of, he's actually a Buffalo prospect, Noah Ostelin. Yes. That kid is sick, dude. They have that sick prospects. That kid prospect. is sick. Yeah, they have un – dude, their prospect pool is unbelievable. Another guy uh, that's in Coolidge? the tournament as well, Yuri Coolidge. He was he, he was also at the prospect challenge and he was mm -hmm. playing with uh Isaac Rosen, who's he mm -hmm. was a first round pick. I want to say in 2017. May I, I, I so, could yeah. be wrong on that. But yeah, dude, like again, he played in the prospect, World Juniors captain them. He captained yeah, Sweden in World Juniors. He their prospect pool is unbelievable. And then yeah, like later on in the episode, I'm gonna be doing my top ten, you know, mock draft, and like they're slated to get the eighth overall pick. Mm -hmm. like is the, is the are the tides gonna turn for buffalo like yeah, it doesn't make dude, any sense that heat daddy had a good tweet the other night it was something along the lines of the problem with buffalo's that they've had too many first round picks they don't have anybody to play lower in their lineup it feels yeah. like like and then you get to a point where you're shipping out like not eichel's a little bad example i guess but you're shipping out players to make room for these kids you know what i mean like you could have yeah. built a roster with it that's a whole nother podcast for a whole nother um ramp but uh, another Swedish kid, since we're on Sweden real quick, I will probably go back to the States, but this Felix Unger Sorum. I haven't I heard, is he draft eligible this year? 
he was a second round pick in the most recent draft to the Hurricanes, but he's sick, dude. He's like undercut, like Patra, undercover, sneaky good. Yeah, Th- those are. I mean, as a second rounder, yeah, that's like, dude. I'm I'm so excited to just kind of like really sit down and like dissect these, like oh. you know, these, especially this upcoming class, like the class that just happened. Like, actually watch the game and just be in, um, like invested in it. Um, because th- again, you mentioned it before we started airing is this is a huge tournament, dude, for people to make significant jumps in draft boards. Like mm-hmm. it's a huge tournament. Like this is huge for these kids. And, you know, yeah. a lot of players kind of shine and, 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 you know, step up and, and they fly up these draft boards. I mean, you saw it last year with, with a couple guys. Like you, you, let's go back even a little further. Like I'm date, I'm not dating myself a bit here, but like Jesse Pugliarvi, he lit the fucking tournament on fire and ended up yeah. going fourth overall. Yeah, that's a that's a perfect example, dude. Yeah, like again, this this tournament has huge implications on, um, just you know draft boards from every fucking GM across the league. Like you best believe every GM is going to be watching this this tournament very closely, right? Oh yeah. Um, Someone should yeah, hire man. us because we'll probably be watching it just as much. Holy shit! <laughs> shit, I'm not even going to be leaving, man. It will, they probably won't hire us because we'll be drinking a few cold pops yeah. during the game. But <laughs> like, dude, that's the thing that people don't get to. Like, even Germany versus like Switzerland, they're good fucking games because you get like evenly matched teams that don't have these star players. You know, like organ or not organizations, but um, like like. Uh, I'm blanking on the word, but like the Hockey Canada, the USDP, like these countries are out there trying to do their own version of that, like in Germany yeah. and Switzerland. And like, that's where you see like, like Nico Heischer's and like, um, Tim Stutzel. T- like, it's yep. like those, those games are fun to fucking watch too. So anybody who's like, ah, I'll watch Canada's game or I'll watch you. Man, if you love hockey and this is how I explain it to people. It's like if you took the like CHL, like the OHL, WHL, Q, and you morphed it with the NCAA. That's like the type of hockey you're watching out here. Like it's fast paced, high skill. You'll probably see a Michigan or two in the tournament. Like it's hot dogging and hard play. Like it's everything into one. And it's just, I don't know, like. I dude, I always bet on like the Germany games and shit, just to, like keep it interesting, right? Like it's like dude, it's yeah. so much fun. Now that it's legal uh, here in Mass, like you best believe, man, I'm gonna be such a fucking degenerate. Like, oh yeah, again, I'm gonna be like, who knows? Fucking Germany versus whoever. Like, I'm gonna be <laughs> betting on that shit. There was an upset last year that Germany had. They were plus four fifty, and I hit it. I no shit, it was against. Yeah. I hit it. It was in, I think, Czechia, maybe? I can't remember now, but those the tournaments do bleed into each other just because they're so electric, right? Like, I was bringing up, when I was talking about Eberle and the Only Bruins podcast, I was bringing up about that, that fucking uh, historic goal he scored to tie it uh, against Russia yeah, with, like, seven seconds left. And, yeah. like, I remember those moments as kids. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just... Uh, it, it's just... Even um, Dylan... In overtime last year, Dylan Gantier from Arizona, like Gunther, that goal yeah. he scored, he didn't yeah. even know what to do with his hands. He just like, <laughs> like you know, it's just Dude. so electric, and those moments are just so unforgettable. 
I think it I don't know if it was on Twitter or if I was watching NHL Network, man, but but they were showing fucking old Phil Kessel highlights, man. Oh, like electric. him. Oh, my God. I was like, what the fuck happened to him? <laughs> Dude, and, one uh, night I was super drunk and I, I dropped a couple shrooms and there was a fucking world junior old school game on and it happened to be the Crosby, um, the Crosby Bergeron yeah. Jeff Carter game. Dude, in the fucking semifinals, they were up eight to two against Finland. I watched the whole game. I was like, "This is so electric." You're like, "Holy like, shit!" Yeah, I was like, "This is unbelievable." Dude, it was so old. The ice was almost blue. Still, you know what I mean? Like the World Juniors, <laughs> yeah. some of them they have the blue ice. It's so dude, electric. that's so sick, man. I'm so fired up for this tournament. I'm so fired up for that Canada um, Latvia game when we get to live stream. Oh. It's gonna be awesome. Um, yeah. but man, definitely man that... special guests and stuff too for everyone listening. It won't just be us two idiots dr- drunk and talking. <laughs> yeah. There'll be definitely, tripping, there'll be, yeah. yeah, there'll be guests coming in, and that's the thing too. Like we got pot, like it's, I, I, we got skin in that game completely, right? You know what I yeah. mean? Like we'll be cheering for Lock Mellis because we want him to see him do good, and obviously me as a Canadian, I want to see Potsy light it up. So that's gonna be so. Like, right when you posted that today, I instantly messaged you. I was like, we're live streaming this. I already yep. ran it by the fellas. This is fucking happening. Like, it's Fuck a yeah, go. Dude. Well, hey, man. Honestly, uh, again, thanks for fucking bailing me out on this episode. Uh, you Anytime. know, I always love World Junior Talk. I'm, I'm so fired up, man, just kind of, you know, talking about this and going through the rosters and everything. So fired up. And best believe we'll be talking back and forth. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, man, any, anything else you want to uh, bring to the table? Uh, no, I think we pretty much covered everything. I just want to say thank you for having me on. I'm glad I was like, you know, first guy that you thought of for this. Cause like you yeah. said, like we, I know last year we weren't talking during the world juniors, but we've always talked prospects and, you know, I always come to you or you come to me when we see those dirty plays, we're like, who is this kid? What's going on? Right. Yeah. So it's, it, it's, it's always awesome to talk. I'm glad I got to come on here. Finally, you guys are doing a great thing over here at drop the mitts. Um, if you don't already come, Come check me out at Only Bruins. We've got a good show over there. And there's the, the all over the Primetime Network. We've got sports all around. So make sure you come check us out. But, yeah, I just want to say thank you for having me on. This was a fucking blast, dude. I can't wait to come back and do this again. We'll have to do another one during the tournament. We'll recap yeah. the shit we've talked about. And you know what I mean? Talk about 100%. some of these prospects. 100% man and and again for all you guys listening um go toss Brett a follow um at Brett Howard underscore um you know from primetime productions in only Bruins podcast I don't is your uh is the handle for the only Bruins at only Bruins just at, at only, Bruins? only Bruins pod okay so yeah go go toss them a follow I mean they've got some unbelievable content that they put out every week awesome hilarious shows man Especially with, you know, Bobby's corner and you and, you know, oh, you and Booze here are just absolute clowns. So, yeah. Um, man, <laughs> yeah. can't, th- can't thank you enough, bro. And uh, we'll be talking for sure. Yeah, man. Thanks for letting me do this. All right, buddy. Take care. Love you. Peace. Love you, dude. Welcome back to another episode of Drop the Mitts Hockey Podcast brought to you in partnership with Primetime Production. We have episode 25, Aiden McDonough's lucky number. We got the bean two-time bean pot winner. And current forward uh, of the Vancouver Canucks, um, and also former captain of the uh, Northeastern Huskies, Aiden. How you doing, buddy? Good, good. Uh, thanks for having me on. It's, yeah, uh, man. Ha- happy to finally time. have you on. It's been kind of a long time coming, and uh, you know you've been ripping it up. But yeah, it's all good, man. Yeah. Um, 
Dude, what has life been like? Also, you know, like last year was so crazy for you. You know, you're, you're in college, you know, you're playing in bean pots, you're playing at Fenway, and then all of a sudden it kind of seemed like snap of a finger, uh, snap of a finger, you're on a plane, you're heading to play in your first NHL game. What what was that whirlwind like? Yeah, life, um, well, life back then, that last year was a whirlwind. It was, um, it was insane. I think, um, you know, I couldn't have dreamed it out any better. I guess the only way uh, it would have been better is if we played a little bit longer at Northeastern. We obviously kind of season ended a bit shortly there, but um, other than that, it was amazing. It was, uh, you know, dream come true. I was, uh, you know, excited to go back to Northeastern and uh, finish my degree and, and play with the guys that I had for four years and uh, continue to build my game. And um, like you said, Fenway, the bean pot, two unbelievable experiences. And then, Next thing you know, I'm on a plane to Arizona to meet the the Canucks on the road and, uh, you know, travel with them for about a week and then play my first game. And then uh, the summer was hectic as well. And then now it's kind of settled down a little bit. It's back into a, back to reality and um, kind of like back to a normal routine. And it's just kind of back to, to hopefully developing and continue to build my game. Yeah. You know, you mentioned that that group that you guys had at Northeastern, man. You were you guys were so freaking fun to watch, you know. Jordan Harris, Jaden Struble, I mean, Devin Levi, you, you know, the list goes on and on. What was it like playing with that group and just those guys? I mean, they just, they're unbelievable players, but they just seem like even better guys off the ice. Yeah, I think you said it, like, they're just unbelievable people off the ice, and that's what makes it so special. I think, um, you know, when you're with people for, you know, three to four years and, and play with them for that period of time, you get to know them so well. Um you know, you get to love their, their insecurities and like, or their, their imperfections. I mean, like you get to know a guy uh, really well and you become so close and we had a really close knit group at Northeastern and we still talk almost every day. Um, but it was a blast going to the rink every day was, was amazing. Just spending so much time and we would spend hours at the rink, whether before or after practice. And then you're, you know, going to eat with them and then you're in the dorms. Like we, um, you know, we, we spent so much time together and be able to play with those guys and, and, um, have the memories that we did and, and win games and, and uh, win championships. And that that's kind of what it's all about is, um, you know, kind of creating that bond between, you know, your best friends and then, you know, watching it come to fruition with winning. And then now it's just a joy to kind of watch them play, you know, whether it be in the NHL or the AHL or, um, you know, some guys are still in college. It's, um, it's, it's amazing. And it's something that that's kind of what I wanted going to Northeastern. Obviously there's, there's so many factors, you know, in terms of development, the education, the city, the coaching staff, all that. Um, but ultimately like I wanted to go there and, and feel like it was home and have best friends that I'll have for the next, you know, the rest of my life. Um, and that's ultimately what I got. And, you know, I couldn't be more grateful for that. Yeah. So like, what, what did it mean, man, to wear the C for that team? I mean, obviously, we just mentioned a bunch of, you know, phenomenal guys. But to be, like, you know, the leader, have that C on your chest, what did that mean um, to you to be the leader of that group? Yeah, it meant everything. I think um, it kind of started, the idea popped in my head when I got there my freshman year. And um, Ryan Shea was my captain my freshman year. And um, he just set such a good example for all of us, uh, kind of how to conduct yourself on and off the ice, um, you know, how to prepare, how to play hard, how to, you know, bring the guys together away from the rink. Like there was just so many things, um, him, but not only the, the whole senior class was amazing. And I think right there, I kind of realized like, that's what I want to be, you know, one day, like I want to be the guy that kind of does that. Um, and to have him, Zach Solo, Jordan Harris, 
um, among many other guys that kind of helped pave the way for me, uh, you know, unheralded guys, Brandon Van Riemsdyk, John Picking, um, even guys like Curtis Fry. Like there was just a lot of, uh, you know, really good guys that kind of helped me throughout my four years there and uh, be able to kind of represent all of them. Cause when you're the captain of Northeastern, it's not just the current team, it's you know, all the previous alumni and, um, and players that you represent as well. And it was, you know, just an honor to represent all of them. Yeah, you know, and we mentioned in the intro, um, you know, the bean pot, and obviously, you know, you're you're from Milton. I'm I'm from Mass as well. Um, for the for the listeners that don't know how big of a tournament that is, like, dude, what was it like playing in that? You know, obviously the packed garden. Like, what was it like? And then uh, literally your last one, you score in the shootout, you know, and to win it. Like, what what was it like um, playing in that tournament? It's um, it means it means everything. Like, it's. I grew. I went to to every bean pod until I went to Cedar Rapids to play in the USHL. So I went to, you know, probably from you know fourth grade on. And um, sorry, one sec. I'm I'm talking to someone. Gats. I'm living with a couple of roommates here. Oh, you're good, <laughs> sorry about that. We got we got four you're guys good, in the house. All played college, so we call it the frat house here in Abbotsford. You're good, um, man, dude. One one of our last up, uh, I think it was Trevor Kuntar we had on, and uh, he he was sitting on literally all he had with him was like his bed and whatever, <laughs> and uh, Mark McLaughlin literally just barged in. And he was like, "Oh, my bad." <laughs> like, it, was, it was it was perfect, and uh, so yeah, man, it's all good. Yeah, so sorry about that, but no, um, you're good, dude. but I remember the question. So yes, it was like I said, I went to everyone for my whole life, and those guys were my heroes. Those were the guys that you know, growing up, I just wanted to play college hockey, playing the bean pot. Um, I wasn't ever playing the NHL or you know, achieve all these other things. It's like no, I just want to. Those guys were my idols. I looked up to guys, local guys that played at you know local colleges that went up to play in the NHL. Like those are the guys that I wanted to be like, and um, it was amazing. I think. It's funny, like guys now, because we, uh, I play now with John Stevens, who played at Northeastern and he didn't get to win one. Um, but we always talk about it and we talk yeah. about Northeastern and guys on the team give us a hard time. And they're like, it's a four person tournament. Like, you win two games, you win. Like, it's so dumb. Um, so the other day we were golfing. We played uh, Coachella Valley in Palm Springs, beautiful yeah. area. Um, and we were going golfing. And the guy who was checking us into the golf course is from Framingham. So we start to talk. And he's like, no way, you went to Northeastern. So did you win a bean pot? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, oh my God. And he starts going off about how great the bean pot is. And the kid next to me played in the OHL. And he's like, I'm sick of this. Like, <laughs> I, I'm tired of hearing about this tournament. But it really is. I think people don't understand uh, how much it means to the city of Boston and the kids that grew up in it and the indiv- individual universities. Like, it's huge bragging rights. And um, something that I'm most proud of is just like the, the student support that we got at the bean pot. Um, it seemed to get better and better every year. Yeah, dude, it was had- electric insane like yeah the, the, the student year, turnout man. yeah dude unreal and it, you get like each corner right of like yeah. like schools and then it's just like a complete gong show by the second game dude it's like i know and i know, think and that's I, for northeastern it's so special because we don't really have anything else that brings a school together like that we don't have yeah. a football team um you know there's not a you know a major party scene in terms of like homecoming or spring weekend there isn't really anything that like the whole school can get together and kind of show their school pride for and i think the bean pot's amazing opportunity for that and um for us to kind of be the centerpiece uh means a lot and i think you know the university has done so much for all of us as players um that you know it's it's amazing that we're kind of the focal point yeah dude so obviously milton you know and then you 
along with the bean pot, you got the chance to play at Fenway, you know, less than an hour away from Milton. Um, what was that experience like, dude? Like you're playing, you got the green monster right there. Obviously you're literally at Fenway. It's been around hundred, you know, however many hundred years and you're skating literally on, on the field. Like what, what was that experience like, dude? That was a really cool experience. Um, I grew up, grew up going to Red Sox games. I went to the first Frozen Fenway when BC played BU, and I think it was 2014 or 2012. Um, and I was sure there. I was, I'm pretty sure I went to that one as well. I think yeah. it was 2012. I think it was 2012. Yeah, because I, yeah. I was the Sun Life Frozen Fenway. I never, I sat up behind first base. Um, so that was that was so cool, and I was enthralled by it. And obviously, always watching like the 24/7 Winter Classics. Like those were so cool to kind of get the behind the scenes of like an outdoor game. So. It was just really cool. I have an uncle that um, works as an usher at Fenway. So I, every time I go to the game growing up, I would always be, you know, seeing him and spending time with him. Um, so just be able to play on, on the ice. It was amazing. I think the best part about it is that you get to practice the day before on the ice. Um, it's only, you only get 30 minutes. Every team gets 30 minutes to practice. Um, but that's really cool. Cause you could get to take pictures and um, take it all in and, and really have fun with it and uh, enjoy it. And then obviously when you're playing the game, you're playing a game. So you're still, you know, obviously kind of focused on playing the game, but it was, it was really cool. It was interesting. Like it wasn't really that loud. It was like dead silent on the ice and there was a good crowd there, but it's just everything's so much further away. Cause you're kind of used yeah. to the fans being on top of you um, that it was like delayed sound, like after a big save or a hit or a goal, like it would kind of be silent. And then you could hear the fans like kind of later, but um, it was really cool. And to be able to play there and obviously win. And then, you know, we were kind of struggling there for a bit. We won. And then we went on a bit of a streak was, uh, was really cool. So like, how was the ice surface? Was it like kind of like a pond hockey feel? Like, I don't it know. Was, like it was unreal. Like it was perfect weather too. Yeah. It was I, like, I, I remember going cap. to the winter classic this, this past winter classic that the Bruins played in. It was like impeccable weather, but, it looked like the ice surface was like kind of jacked up. Like they kept having to go out there. And so I was curious, like if you guys had any issues like with the surface itself. No, I think I don't, I remember the ice being good. It was like a little dry, um, but, but the weather was perfect. It was like cloudy and like it was cold, but not too cold. Um, you know, like there was no glare from the sun. The ice was good. It definitely, I guess towards the end of the periods, it got really snowy almost like you're playing yeah. pond hockey yeah uh, so i was i was listening to uh i think you were on the uh everything everything college hockey podcast um yeah they're they're cool dudes um and i forgot that you had that in that celly dude the, mm -hmm. the like what did you have that planned like before like the game even started or was it just kind of like spur of the moment it was spur of the moment. I'm looking back. I kind of wish I didn't do it because it's embarrassing. Like sometimes you see some of those things and you're like, Oh boy. But, um, I thought it was electric. <laughs> I think <laughs> I, I saw it, uh, growing up. I think it was Wasowski or Shattenkirk on BU. Did it maybe in that frozen Fenway in 2012? I think it was Shattenkirk. Right. I think yeah. it was one of them. And I, then I, I want to say McAvoy did it for BU and then Gaudette did it for Northeastern. So just growing up watching all those games, like I'd be glued to the TV or at the games. I'd yeah. always see you guys do it. I'm like, that's so cool. And I was always thought like one day, if I get a chance to play out there, I would do it. And then I didn't obviously think about it before or during or anything. And then <laughs> it happens. And I was kind of like, okay, well, this is my chance. I'll do it. And yeah. it kind of just happened. And, and you, Cutter Gautier did it last year too. So he's yeah, carrying he on the tradition. Yeah. He um, did. So, I want to go back. So obviously another part of, you know, Massachusetts hockey is how phenomenal the prep 
you know, the prep hockey is. Um, and you played at Thayer Academy, which is, you know, a phenomenal school. Um, I was there a couple, you know, a couple times this summer getting to skate. Um, what did Thayer Academy and just playing in that prep, um, that prep league do for your development? And ultimately, um, what did, the, what did the school do like to get you ready for uh, Northeastern? So much. Um, probably one of the, the best decisions that I've ever made in my life is to go to Thayer, I think. Go to Thayer, go to Northeastern. I mean, Cedar Rapids wasn't really a, a choice. It was more of a, I got drafted there, so I kind of was going there. Um, yeah. And the same thing with Vancouver. But Thayer was was influential in my life. Um, it taught me so much. First, like academically, I came from Milton Public Schools, which is great, great education. But I think um, that it's very similar to college in terms of your schedule, um, your work, like – the, the community, it was just amazing. The teachers, everyone there, the, the whole staff, I had an absolute blast. Like I met some of my best friends. I'd be still our best friends from there. Um, and then hockey was the most, you know, important few years of my life because I learned how to really play hockey. Um, you know, my freshman year there, I was five, eight, 150 pounds. Um, I didn't get into any other prep school. My grades were good, but I don't think anybody else wanted me. Uh, and Tony Monty knew me from when I was younger and I think he saw that, you know, this kid, you know, could have a chance. And uh, he pushed me really hard my first few years. And um, luckily I grew <laughs> and uh, yeah. and I, I grew on the ice as well as off the ice. But it was just it was such a blast. And I think, first of all, I think the, the, the schedule allows you to play that half season, which was really important. Um, and to get in the weight room because you're not playing as many games. So I, I was working out a lot during those four years and that really helped me um, as well as the schedule, like the ISL is, I mean, I'm not sure if it's taken a bit of a dip now, but like back then playing against nobles or Sebs or bell Hill, like it's those so were good battles. There was, you know, 10 D one guys in every team and yeah. the other guys that weren't, were probably going NESCAC. So like we, we had really good divisions, uh, really good teams that the hockey prepared me very well. Um, but the life skills and uh, going to schools with people from, you know, different cultures, different towns, um, you know, playing baseball in the spring and then the, the college schedule, like it's very similar in terms of like you have classes till a certain time and you go to the rink and then you come home and they probably do homework. And then it was just amazing. So I had a blast and, um, you know, I, I, I still love there you know, to this day. Yeah. Like, so you were, you got to skate there this summer, right? Yes. You play in that, that three on three tournament. I did, yeah. I played a couple times. Dude, yeah. what what is playing that tournament like? Because you guys are on that like super small ice surface, and you guys are all friggin' animals, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> big big boys, and it's like you got that little ice surface, and you're trying to just, you know, you get the puck, and you have to make a snap decision. Like the ice surface is big, where you can just carry it around. Um, what's it like playing that summer league? I mean, you got guys like you know Charlie Coyle playing there. Um, man, that I mean. Just, I mean, Trevor Kuntar, I know, was playing there. And uh, yourself, um, I can't think of the names top of my head. You know, McLaughlin, um, fuck, uh, Mike Hardman, too. He's, he's yeah. another clown, dude. He's so funny. Um, <laughs> what's it like playing in that, uh, you know, in, in that summer league? It's great. Yeah, it's fun. It's um, it's just good in the summer to kind of have that, like, feel the, the pressure of guys on you. Because, uh, you know, if you do flow skates or skill skates or – you know, you don't really get that kind of like competitiveness. And then you don't, also don't get that, that small area type battle. Um, and that league is, is good for that. It's, it's fun. Cause like you said, the ice sheet is really small. 
So you have to make plays quickly um, and you're playing against other good players. So yeah, usually it's competitive and um, it's a good time. Yeah. I like that. And other than sitting in traffic, um, it's, you know, it, it's at like five o'clock. It's, it's not bad at all. Yeah. Um, so like what, what would you say was the biggest like adjustment for you? Um, obviously, you know, we mentioned early in the episode, you kind of just, everything happened so fast for you, right? You're, you're playing for Northeastern, you're playing against college kids and all, all of a sudden you're, literally a, one day you're playing against NHLers like what would you say besides the speed and everything what would you say like was the biggest difference for you and then in noticing those differences what have you tried to like improve upon your own game um to kind of try to get to you know be successful at that next level yeah definitely i think i think i can speak more on the american league just because um the NHL was like such a whirlwind and like a fantasy land. And I was kind of just, they were kind of just like, Hey, listen, like we're going to show you briefly what the structure is, but we don't want to give it to you too much. Just go out there and just play. Yeah. So that was like, you know, I was just like on cloud nine. I, I didn't really even like think or remember what happened in any of those games. Cause it was just like such a blur. Um, but I think as in the professional level, I think the, the biggest adjustment, I mean, there's a lot of them, honestly, I wish the list was a little shorter. Um, but I think it's just adapting to a new role, a new system, a new style of play. Um, you know, I think at Northeastern, I was looked upon as the go-to guy to score goals and produce offense. Um, I'm not saying that I can't do that at this level. I think it's we have a lot of good guys on our team that do that. Um, and it's more of like, let's round out the rest of your game. And, um, you know, defensively, um, you know, smart puck decisions. Like, There's a lot of stuff that I've kind of had to adapt to a little bit and, and learn. And I think I'm growing and I think I'm doing better as we've gone along, but I could get away with a lot of Northeastern um, in terms of like, you know, knowing that I'm going to be playing, you know, 20 minutes a night and I know I can make, you know, mistakes here and there, but I'd probably get a goal to make up for it. We're, we're here. It's everyone's so good. Um, and there's so many good teams and there's so many good players on our team that like, you don't really have that room for error. You kind of have to be, dialed in every game and making sure that you're making the right play and making smart plays and, and playing hard. And, you know, you're getting pucks out of your zone. Cause if you don't, you're probably going to give up a goal. If you turn it over where in college, you might be yeah. able to have a turnover and nothing happens where um, mistakes definitely get magnified. And I think I'm just kind of learning how to play a more, you know, North South, you know, hopefully power forward that can score goals. And that's, what's going to help me, you know, have success at one, hopefully one day in the NHL consistently is, is kind of be that type of player. So I think it's all, really good things that I think every, you know, younger player coming into pro hockey has to learn. And I think, uh, you know, I'm going through it and I think I've, um, you know, done an okay job, but I think I still have a lot more room to, to grow and continue to learn. Cause there is a lot, you think, you know, the game, yeah. you think, uh, you think you kind of have it all figured out in college and, um, you know, I give credit to my Northeastern coaches. They did a great job and like all the stuff, you know, they talked about in Northeastern, the coaches here are talking about, but it's just a bit harder to do it at this level, obviously, and consistently. And I think um, as I go, hopefully I'll, I'll get more comfortable with it. So like even off the ice, is it, how big of an adjustment was it for you? Like just kind of, because obviously, you know, you're, you're from, you know, Milton, you went to school in mass. Like you're at the end of the day, man, you're 24 years old. Like, has it been like a, a culture shock to you? Like just kind of being away from home and, um, you know, just being in a new area, like a completely different part of the, uh, you know, the country, I guess. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. I think that's something that I don't think about um, as much as I probably 
should give myself a little bit more credit for is like it is hard it is my real i mean i played juniors for a year but this is kind of real life now and it is a lot different in every aspect um you know in college you wake up you go to class till about one o'clock with you know all your best friends and then you go get lunch with all your boys and then you go to practice with all your boys and you go eat with all your boys and you, you know, maybe do some homework and then you watch a movie with, you know, eight guys and then you go to bed with your former mates and you're with them 24 seven. Your schedule is very kind of uh, regimented throughout the week and you're playing games on the weekends and um, you're always with people. You're on a college campus surrounded by all young people, your age. And uh, right. it's a big social right. aspect to college as well. Like there's a lot of things. And then worst case, I'm, you know, 10, 15 minutes from home that I can, my dad can, come and drop something off if I, you know, need laundry or if we want to get dinner, if I want to go home and take a nap, like, uh, you know, seeing a ton of my family all the time. And, you know, now it's, you know, wake up at the rink at, you know, eight practice at 10, you know, work out before practice and I'm done by 1130. And then I got the rest of the day. Right. And, right. uh, you know, I do live with four guys, which is great that we kind of have each other. Um, but then again, we're in a, a new area that, you know, Abbotsford, is, there's not a ton going on. It's not like I'm at in downtown Boston, um so it is different and you are definitely you're away from your friends your family so it is lonely and i think a lot of guys have a bit harder time with that at first of kind of finding like what to do because you know you you know you can only watch so many movies or watch tv right, shows right. like it's kind of you got to find to start something yeah. um you know so that's that's been a bit of an adjustment but i think i feel a lot more comfortable now and i think i have a bit more of a routine of like you know even just going on for a walk or getting groceries or going to do something like any excuse to get out of the house and do something in the afternoon is a good, a good thing. So I think that part of it uh, gets a little bit overlooked because people think that, you know, adjustment to pro hockey is, is just on the ice, but it is off the ice as well. Yeah, dude, for sure. Like again, to, for someone who was, you know, lived in mass their whole life and then all of a sudden snap of a finger, you're, you're in a completely different place. Like for sure, you got to give yourself a lot of credit and, you know, again, you're still only 24 years old and like <laughs> to ask any a lot of other 24 year olds to do that not to mention adjusting to the pro game like that's it's a huge adjustment and you commend i commend you for doing it because it's unbelievable um right before this i was watching i I remember your first goal um against calgary and take can you take us through what you remember about that goal i mean i just watched man and like you, towards the end of the play, you know, you, you win a puck battle against fucking Milan Lucic. <laughs> and it, it's like, what? And then all of a sudden, I'm like, dude, this is unreal. Like, and then, you know, your best buddies on the ice, you know, sallying with you. And it's just un, it, unbelievable. Like, take take us through what you remember about that, uh, your first goal. Yeah. Um, crazy, because, like you said, I didn't even know that Bones was on the ice. Um, and... I didn't know, yeah, Milan Lucic. I just remember he tried to make a play kind of through my skates, hit my skate, and I just cycled it behind the net. Um, Milan Lucic obviously has had some troubles recently, but he was one of my favorite players growing up, a big lefty power forward who could score and fight, had his poster up my wall. Um, And I cycled it to the net. I think Jack Studnika, who's a good buddy of mine, who former Bruins player, he actually just got traded the other day, which was sad, but yeah. he did a wrap around on the net. The rebound came out. Sheldon Dries, who I'm playing with now, made a great play to whack it kind of behind the net, behind the back, right to me, who I just was at the net. And I I know that when I played in Chicago the day before, I had a chance to score, and I kind of, like, didn't have my stick ready on the ice. And I kind of, like, went down for it and it bounced over my stick. And um, 
I, Coach Keith would always talk about hands, like hands ready, knees bent, like down and ready to score. And I kind of always pride myself on that. So I was like, okay, well, if I get her on that net tomorrow, like I'm just going to be ready to score. And it just popped out and I, I just, you know, jammed it home. And then Taryn Bones was right there. Just <laughs> so excited for me. He was on the ice for my first AHL goal too. Same thing. First guy to, to hug me, like in the same corner, kind of similar, like goal. It was, it's crazy how things work out like that. Um, to have your best friend there with you, it's kind of nuts. Yeah, dude. Like I was watching, all of a sudden you you're like fired up. Obviously, you just fucking scored, and then you cut exactly what you just said. You kind of snap your head around. You're like, dude, <laughs> like <laughs> it was yeah. so unreal, though. Um, man, I, I one other thing I wanted to touch on. A, a lot of people are, you know, with the success that um, you know Devin Levi is having. Um, him, you know, what kind of guy was he to, like? I don't know, like off the ice, on the ice, you just hear these stories that, you know, he's got these crazy routines and obviously he seems like a really nice kid, really nice guy. Um, what was it like playing with, with Devin and, uh, you know, are you still in contact with him? I try to be, but he doesn't answer his phone. He's, <laughs> uh, he's probably the worst person ever on their phone. Like I think I sent him a message on Snapchat two weeks ago and it just, was nah, he's a goal. He's a goal. He'll go. Yeah. But I think if I texted him or called him, he'd answer. But yeah. he's he's an unbelievable guy. He's like a guy that everyone loves. He loves all the boys. I don't think there's a bad ounce in his heart. Like he truly loves everyone that he meets. He's like a like he's a puppy. Like he's a dog. Like he's just always like so happy, smiling. Like hey, Dad. Hey, man. Like he's just always in a good mood. Um, and he's a great guy and he works extremely hard. I think like, like you said about his routines, he's very dialed in, taught me a lot um, about the mental side and, you know, some preparation, gave me some books to read. Like he's, he's really dialed in, um, very focused. And then, but also like very gullible and very out to lunch at the same time. Like he's just, he's just a goofy kid, but he's very well-spoken, very well-mannered, very nice. Uh, everyone loves him. Um, but very good at hockey, obviously. Like, yeah, scoring on yeah. in practice was not easy. Um, in games, was probably even harder for the other teams because, you know, we wouldn't obviously say much to him. He puts his headphones on and meditates in between periods and um, definitely does some wacky stuff. But just a great teammate that, I, you know, I've been lucky to, to play with and call a friend. Yeah. Um, another thing I, I kind of wanted to ask you early on just kind of escaped me. You get drafted, you know, seventh round, 195th overall. Um, did you, like, were there any other teams that you thought there was a good chance that you'd go to? Um, and then also, like, what was it like, you know, ultimately getting that call and finding out that, you, you know, you're drafted to the NHL? Like, how surreal was it to you? And, and what do you remember about, you know, having family around and stuff? Yeah, I remember it really well. Um well, so that was my second year to be able to get drafted. So my first year, first draft year eligible was my senior year at Thayer. Um, and I did, I interviewed with like 10 teams, maybe more. Um, I was playing with Jay O'Brien, who yep. probably had, you know, 30 NHL scouts at every game. Um, did a bunch of interviews. And obviously he was very highly touted. Was supposed to go in the first round, which he obviously eventually did. Um so, like, I fully thought I was going to get drafted. I, I went to the Pittsburgh Penguins, like, combine, like, before the draft. 
and did like you know some some like skates and and uh stuff like that with them so i was like okay like, i thought it went well so i was like okay i'm probably gonna get drafted by pittsburgh um so i sat at home watched the whole draft with my dad and didn't get picked pittsburgh got a pick like in the sixth or seventh round where i was like all right maybe they'll they'll get me the yeah. kid from saint seb's uh liam gorman um and i was yeah definitely upset but my dad's like you know well you know, you can, you can either let this, you know, derail you or you can use as motivation. Um, so I, yeah, I thought I was gonna drive by Pittsburgh my first year. Then my, my second year, I didn't even think about it at all. I didn't interview with anyone. Um, played the year in Cedar Rapids was like in another lineup. I was getting healthy scratch until probably like November, December ish. Um, so I was like, there's no way I'm getting drafted. And then the second half of the year, I turned it on, um, got the call from Northeast and they wanted me to come in. And uh, had a really good second half of the year, and then you know the next year the draft's going on. I'm like, well, okay, well I'm not getting drafted. Like I, you know, I'm not even gonna think about it. So I was, uh, I went to Martha's Vineyard with my all my best friends from Milton. Um, four of us at our buddy's house, and we just we were getting off the ferry and we were getting a bite to eat at Nancy's right on the water there. And um, my buddies are in the bathroom and they come running out, and they're like screaming and they're like, dude, you just got drafted. I'm like what and i looked down at my phone my dad no called, he was watching the whole thing um dude he just called me and he was like but you just got drafted like he was obviously so excited then after that my phone just went went nuts and yeah. it was um it was a really special moment and then that night i had to fly to vancouver the next morning at 6 a.m and i was on the vineyard so my dad drove down to the cape i took the last ferry at like nine o'clock out of the vineyard uh to woods hole and then my dad got me drove me back I woke up the next morning and flew out off to development camp, but um, very special and um, very, very cool to be able to share with my best friends, you know, to have them there with me because they've been my, my yeah. boys forever uh, and still are. So that was a really special moment. I, I can't say I've heard a story like that, dude, where you just kind of <laughs> yeah. like, just chill it. Like, yeah, but just, it honestly was better off just not thinking about it at all. Just going on, going to the vineyard for a weekend to have fun and yeah. uh, kind of ended up working out. Like, so you mentioned, you know, that you, you weren't really thinking about it, but like now you look back, do you kind of use that as like a chip on your shoulder almost that like, you know, you were seventh, you know, first, first time around, you know, you didn't get drafted, you know, second time around, which again, even to get drafted is unreal, but like seventh, seventh round pick, do you kind of like still kind of have a chip on your shoulder because of that? Or is it just something you kind of just put in the rear view and just kind of focus on, you know, what's ahead of you? Yeah, I think like early on after like after I my first freshman year of college, I was definitely like, okay, like these guys got all picked ahead of me and I think I did better than this year and you kind of think about that. But I think as time's gone on, you don't really think about that. I think I'm yeah. more th in my head I just think more like things haven't came easy to me. They never really have. Um, you know, a fair and college and juniors, like I've had to work for it. Um and I have, you know, they aren't coming, you know, like if it's been a bit of a slow start up and down so far. So it's like, I just know that things haven't came easy. I'm going to have to work for it and it's going to take some time. Um, but hopefully I'll get there eventually and just know that, you know, it's not going to be the easiest road, but it'll, it'll be well worth it. You know, have any of the older guys that are up in the, uh, you know, obviously Vancouver right now is incredibly talented team. I mean, Quinn Hughes is ripping it up. Elias Pettersson is, you know, an Elias Pettersson things, Brock Besser, like, have any of those older guys reached out to you and just kind of given offered you any type of like mentorship or just advice um, about being a pro? I think, well, this year, no. I mean, they're focused on on their season yeah. and 
think we have guys in our team that can help do that in Abbotsford. Uh, we have some great veteran guys. Uh, but last year, yeah, all the guys were really helpful. I think um, they were all – every one of them was really nice. Uh, I, don't, I don't really have a bad word to say about all the guys. They were, you know, very helpful and nice. And it's it's a drop. Like, you're going about your business. And, like, they're, they're doing that. And they go home with their families. And, you know, I'm going about my business. But yeah. I think, like, Connor Garland, I knew him a little bit, obviously, from playing before we got to play together last year. And um, he's definitely helped me. Um, you know, he's definitely, he's hard connection. Yeah. He's hard on all of his, his buddies in the summer, but like, he means it out of that. He cares about us and wants us to get better. And he pushes us. Um, Tyler Myers is a great guy. Dakota Joshua helped me a lot. Um, studs did Stanika did cause we kind of both had the Boston connection. Um, JT Miller was, was honestly really good to me in terms of like mentoring a little bit of like advice here and there. And, um making you feel comfortable with kind of like you know busting your chops every once in a while but then also like telling you good job or hey work on this like they're all really good people and i'm you know i'm not surprised at all that they're having the success that they've had um and then down here we have i mean we have matt Irwin, who's on his 16th year pro hockey um played in a few stanley cup finals like he's great to all of us He, he you know he's just an unbelievable guy. Uh, John Stevens has helped me a lot. He's, uh, you know, obviously played at Northeastern. Um, then, you know, Bones, he helped me a ton too when when he was here. He got traded. Um, but the whole team, everyone's been been really good. Mark Atcombe, my roommate, played at UConn. Like, he's been really helpful too because we lived together and he's been through it. He's, you know, it's his second year. So there's a lot of guys, um, you know, it's pretty, you don't have to look too far for, for help around here. But at the end of the day as well, like, they're trying to do their job. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I have to do mine. But there is a lot of guys. Yeah. So we, as we've kind of gone on and done these episodes, um, we've had people reach out and just kind of ask about like, you know, they have kids and they want to know what, you know, what it takes to get to the the prep level in mass, you know, the, not in mass, but just the level of prep, then college, then what, what advice would you give to a kid that's kind of, you know, got that dream of making it big, you know, make making it to the show, like, what advice would you give them things they should be doing on and off the ice and just habits they should have? Um, like, you know, obviously you've pretty, you've made it like the highest level. So what, what advice would you give those kids with uh, dreams of making it to the show? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think there's a lot of things obviously depending on the age, but I think like early on when you're younger, it's just that love for the game and having fun. Cause if you, if you love something, um and like shooting pucks in your backyard or stick handling with your with your buddies doesn't feel like work then you'll get better you'll develop if if you're if your dad's yelling at you or making you go out the back and shoot 100 pucks before every game then it's probably not going to feel great and you're probably not going to want to do it after a while but if you just naturally love to do it and you kind of you know authentically get into that then i think you're going to be able to like, the more you love the game, the better you're going to be. Um, but my things, I guess, would be like, have fun. Cause you know, it's a game. Yeah. Um, watch hockey. Like I went to as many nobles, St. Seb's their games growing up as I could. And then as I got older college games, I went to every BC game on a Friday night. I watched Goudreau. I watched Kevin Hayes. Like I went to all those games. So like I would watch hockey and you don't have to spend, you don't have to go to the Bruins game and, you know, spend a couple hundred bucks every time. It's like, go to like your local Milton high game or, yeah. nobles game or, or um you know a college game college game tickets are cheap um so i would do that because i think you learn the game and um there's a lot of things you can pick up from obviously watching and i think as a kid like it just makes it special it makes going to the rink with your dad special like we'd go on friday nights and we'd drive through jamaica plain and 
those were like some of the best memories of me when I was younger, getting the popcorn at the game and then you get to sit down and watch and ask the trainer for tape or like whatever. Like that's the best part. Um, and then as you get older, I think surrounding yourself with good players and a good coach, it's really important. There's a lot of good coaches out there and there's a lot of coaches that don't really know what they're doing. Um, so get yourself on a team with a good coach. And I was lucky to have that um, with Neil Shea senior with Jason Rathbone um, and those guys really helped me out when I was younger because they played the game at, you know, they played at BC, they played the game at a high level and um, they cared, you know, we played together on the same team for a long time and they really cared about us. Um, and I also played with good players. So like, I wouldn't be signing up for every summer, summer tournament that you can, because a lot of the times it's just a money grab and the coaches, you know, don't care. And the kids and the team could be, you know, random kids. Like I only played in the summer tournament for, with, with my buddies. Yeah, and we would go as a group of like eight, and then we'd get the other kids to come in, and like we were always have good teams because we all, you know, we're good players. We play together, and that's really important. And then I think for prep school, prep schools are gonna go watch those good players play together. So like if you're on a team, like I played with Jay O'Brien and Jack Rathbone, and you know Mike Callahan, and all these guys growing up on the same team. So when the scouts were going to watch them, like they're inevitably gonna see me at some point. Right. So I think that's important to surround yourself with because a lot of times there's good players. Sometimes. They get lost, which I, you know, people always say if you're a good player, they'll find you, which is true. But sometimes good players do get lost because they're not really being seen in the right situations. Um, and then for prep schools, I would reach out via email. Um, that's going to help probably. And then also, you know, being on those good select teams and half season teams and being at those showcases where colleges and prep schools are going to be at is going to be important. And then, um, you know, if you do all that stuff and you make it to prep school and the best thing you can, can do, I guess, is just produce, right? And right. then play well, and then you'll get noticed by colleges. If you're playing in prep school and you're doing well, then they'll notice you. College coaches, you know, they they, they, they look everywhere for sure. Awesome, man. I, you know, I, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your day. You know, obviously, I know you are got a lot going on, you know, playing for Abbotsford. And uh, honestly, can't thank you enough for taking time coming on and just, you know, chatting and uh, – I wish you the best of luck along the way. I mean, keep killing it over there. And, uh, yeah, take care, buddy. Appreciate you. Yeah, no problem. I, I, uh, like I said, sorry about taking so long. But uh, oh, yeah. glad I did it. It was, it was a fun time. So I appreciate Man, it. it worked out. Episode 25. I mean, it, I know. it kind Look of worked that. out. It aligned and, <laughs> you know, the stars aligned. And it was awesome. I mean, I, 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 was, I was so excited to hear your story. And, obviously, you being a local kid and, you know, myself, I grew up in Mass and always would go to the Bean Pots. And then obviously being at Northeastern when you were there, um, getting to go watch, it was unreal. So I was really excited to do this interview. Um, but yeah, man, thank you. And, uh, you know, best of luck the, the rest of the way. All right. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I'll, uh, I'll talk to you. Take care, man. Thank you. Right. That was Aiden McDonough, former captain of the Northeastern Huskies and current uh, forward in the Vancouver Canucks organization. Just an unbelievable guy. Um, man, I was really fired up to, to do that episode. Um, you know, getting to watch him in the bean pot and just, you know, getting to hear his story and, um, you know, getting to hear that advice at the end that he has for the younger kids coming up. Um, just unbelievable. Um, just an inspiration, you know, and then hopefully kids, you know, can listen to this and kind of take that advice. And uh, use it in their own lives and, uh, you know, train and, and, and fall in love with the game and, um, you know, achieve your dreams. But that was episode 25 of Drop the Mids Hockey Podcast brought to you in partnership with Primetime Production. I am your host, Chris Davis, and we will see you next time, guys. Take care.